In the holy name of Jesus, amen. John the Baptist doesn't come across as a particularly mild-mannered guy. We've heard him say things like this. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John was a disruptive personality, to say the least. So disruptive, in fact, that he wound up in prison and later beheaded for speaking the truth to Herod. Herod is kind of the poster child for what happens when you're confronted with your sin and you don't repent. Evil is heaped upon evil, and soon you have to silence the voice of God altogether just in order to keep going. That's what a guilty conscience looks like. But John, as disruptive as he may have been, was not the Christ. The people had heard his preaching, and they were in expectation. It's not clear what they were expecting. In fact, it seems like they didn't even know what they were looking for. They wondered whether John could be the Christ, but they didn't know how to recognize the Christ. It was a big muddle of confusion. If John was the Christ, then yes, he said some uncomfortable things, but he was also very sensible. What should we do? They asked him. And he replied, If you have two shirts, share one. If you're a tax collector, don't steal. If you're a soldier, don't threaten. It's really not that hard. Sounds like common decency. Just straighten up. Is that what the Christ would be like? It turns out that we're actually pretty comfortable with a Christ who just tells us to straighten up. It's hard work, to be sure, and you might suffer through it a bit, but with some elbow grease and some resolution, you might manage to be a pretty good person. And at the end of the day, you get to say that you put in a solid effort and that was good enough. But the problem is that a Christ who tells us just to straighten up doesn't work for us because straightening up simply doesn't work. It's putting a band-aid on a mortal wound. It's like the story of antibiotics. You might know how this goes. Penicillin, when it was discovered, was a miracle cure. And when Alexander Fleming, the fellow who discovered it, was featured on the cover of Time magazine in 1944, the caption read, His penicillin will save more lives than war can spend. And penicillin did save lots of lives. But the tragic reality of bacteria is that they become resistant to antibiotics. In fact, even before penicillin was tested on humans, common bacteria were already becoming resistant to it. 
And that's been the story ever since. Stronger doses of antibiotics produce more resistant bacteria, and new kinds of antibiotics produce new strains of bacteria, and so on. It isn't that antibiotics aren't helpful. They're just not up to the task of eradicating bacteria. It's a losing battle. That's how it is with our efforts to straighten up. The problem is that you and I are crooked in so many different ways, and even more, we're really, really good at becoming more and more crooked, at finding new ways to be crooked. And so a Christ whose message ends with a call to straighten up is in fact no Christ at all. But that wasn't the end of John's message either. He showed the people how crooked they were, so crooked, in fact, that they couldn't even practice common decency. But more importantly, he did this to prepare them for Jesus, the true Christ. John was a disruptive personality, but Jesus turns the world on its head. He defies all categories. He is an utterly unexpected Christ. And that's just what we need. We need a Christ who does the unexpected, who does something more than just tell us to straighten up. When John saw that the people were questioning whether or not he was the Christ, he answered them. He said, look, I baptize you with water. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's not the kind of fire that warms you up or motivates you. It's the kind of fire that incinerates you. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat and burn the chaff. But even with that description of what Jesus would do, you might expect that Jesus will just be a fiercer, more disruptive version of John. But that's not it at all. He's not a Christ who just stands by and unleashes his baptism with fire from a distance. He's not here to be a disruptor from the outside looking in. This is where he does the utterly unexpected. Jesus shows up at the Jordan River and is baptized himself. No one expects a Christ who will climb into the waters of baptism and join himself with sinners. No one expects a Christ who will suffer death and the grave in order to defeat them both. No one expects a Christ whose baptism takes us through death and the grave with him. No one expects a Christ who will put us to death in order to give us life. Luke tells us that John preached good news to the people with his exhortations. But it wouldn't have been good news if the message hadn't ended with Jesus, just as John's baptism would have been worthless if Jesus hadn't climbed into the water and turned it into a grave, if Jesus hadn't bound himself to sinners through baptism. But just like that, With the baptism of Jesus, 
Baptism makes it so that life is no longer just one big effort to straighten up. Don't you know, Paul says, if you have been baptized, you are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, then you've been buried with him by baptism into death. Your old crooked self was crucified, eradicated, incinerated. There's no more straightening up to do. You are a new person. And now you get to live a new life. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.